Ron. Don. On the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? All right, happy Friday, you guys. Have you done it? You stopped by Les Schwab Tire Center. 85 locations throughout Western Washington to serve you, to serve us, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And make sure that they're serving Food Lifeline so that Food Lifeline can serve lots of families as we head into the holidays. Food Lifeline, an umbrella organization, Les Schwab collecting food items. And there's not a lot of places that do this anymore where they actually collect the stuff. A lot of times you jump out on the internet, you click something, and you're done. This is a really great way to get your whole family, your office involved. You guys can put out a box, collect stuff, drop it off at a Les Schwab Tire Center. You have till Black Friday to do that. And then they'll make sure all this stuff gets out to Food Lifeline. 85 locations serve you, LesSchwab.com, because doing the right thing matters. And we really appreciate the fact that they heard your plea. Now you have three, three episodes of the Ron and Don Show each and every week. And uh, happy Friday to everyone. Episode 29, right? Absolutely. I want to get your take on this. As a parent, I'm not a parent, and this is a bit of an extreme example, but I think when we look at these extremes, it sort of helps us uh, solidify how we're going to think about stuff. This one takes us to a university where a nine-year-old named Lawrence Simons uh, looks like he's going to graduate college with an electrical engineering degree at age nine. Uh, and his his one of his parents is a college teacher and said, boy, he just seemed to be able to absorb information really quickly. Uh, we were putting him through, like he, he went all the way through grade school very quickly, like tested out. We got him into a high school thing. He graduated high school at six, I believe, he, or he entered high school at six, breezed right through that curriculum, went into college, and his college professors were skeptical. And then they sat with him and was like, this kid's just, he's a phenom. Uh, we hate to throw the word genius around, but he might be a genius. And so he's going to graduate at nine years old. And so here, here's where the controversy comes out a little bit. He's clearly a remarkable kid, uh, probably one in a million or whatever in terms of academic prowess. And so he went out and with his parents, he now has, he, he got his own Instagram account at age eight. Now he's nine. And some people are very critical because he went with his grandparents on a trip and it shows him there's some pic. I went and looked at it this morning. There's some pictures where he's at a pool and there are women in bikinis around, not, not posing with him, but he's amongst like an adult pool uh, where there are grown women in bikinis. And then there is one video where he seems to have taken a liking to a woman in a bikini that is dancing by the DJ <laughs> At the, if you've ever been to a pool party with a DJ, I have It's that kind of pool what's party. A, what's a, I've never been to one. What are those like? Uh, there's a DJ. In there's a pool usually a, a bar oh, okay. like in the middle of the pool you can go up to. Wow. So he's got like aviator sunglasses on. He's nine. Okay. And this woman, uh, an attractive woman, is dancing in her bikini. There's a video of that. And so people, and then his parents have said, hey, he, people like doing interviews with him. He's pretty well spoken for a nine year old. And so we're going to embrace it. We're leaning in to his celebrity. Uh, he is graduating college at nine. Mm. And they, then they say, and he's a normal kid. Like, other than the fact that he's super smart, like in his downtime, he plays video games. Uh, he hangs out with his pals. He goes to the pool. He's infatuated with older women in bikinis. <laughs> so, like, just step off. This is the way we're going to parent. Uh, you can fo- his Instagram account is not private. Anybody can go follow it. 
uh, if you kind of want to see the adventures of him. And he, he does hashtags like hashtag gigantic plans where he wants to, uh, and after he graduates, he wants to get his PhD and invent um, like robot organs, like organs that you could transplant into human beings that are in, invented by him. So I mean, he might be able to do it. Um, so I, just a question for you. Do you look down on these parents for they really do have the extraordinary kid. Everybody thinks their kid is extraordinary at something. He really is. Uh, should they just embrace this fame while he's got it? I think part of it you have to, even if it's not the fame, I think you have to embrace where his mind is at. Because if he were sitting in these classes and he wasn't challenged and he wasn't curious, then you wonder what kind of trouble that he would get into. But because he's naturally curious and he's a voracious reader and he was able to take in all this information, uh, then I think it's important that you place him in situations uh, where he's able to do that. Because and the excuse has always been, hey, down the road, uh, maybe uh, young people like this and young kids like this will grow up and they'll do something extraordinary. What's really interesting to me, I think about the really smart kids, the really smart kids that were in my school. And we had almost 700 kids, I think, graduated in my senior class. And I graduated in my senior, I graduated, uh, my lucky number is 13. So I graduated 13th in my class. And I had a 4.12, I think was my GPA. Who, who's counting? Yeah, but the, but the thing was, I, 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 I looked around at the, at the kids that were up on that stage with me. And when we were called, and I was just like, I do not belong up here. Because these kids are, were extraordinary. These kids were super smart. And I was just a really hard worker and just, just, just hanging on. It's interesting, though, as we look down the road and we look at if, if you were going to – when I went to my 30-year reunion, a lot of these kids that were super smart, that weren't challenged when they were younger – they went on to, to not become rocket scientists. They weren't the doctors and the lawyers and the researchers. A lot of times they ended up doing nothing. And you look around and it was really the hard scrabble kids that fought real hard, a tooth and nail for everything. A lot of them went on to do some pretty amazing things in the world of science, in the world of law, in the, uh, in the world of medicine. So I, I wanted to ask you, do you think, and I'm being serious here, is every kid extraordinary in some metric or are there in other words should a parent try to find that thing that their kid could be extraordinary in or it just expose them to a lot of different things find you know see the things that light them up a little bit and then sort of open the doors so if a kid just lights up around art let them do as much art as i don't they know can. Are you, do you did you feel like growing up that you're extraordinary at something um, I thought that I was. What were you like? I, I thought there was a time, and again, when I was very young, like I thought I, I'm probably going to be a professional athlete. Like mm. I really yeah. thought that it was like, oh, this, this could be a road for me. Like I'm going to go to every football camp that I can. Uh, I'm going to try to be, you know, a, as good an athlete as I can. And for a while, I could compete. And for a while, I could make varsity. And for a while, I was uh, could start. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me. It's like, no. I don't have the size. I don't have the speed. So I, I thought that I was, I wanted to believe that I was extraordinary and that I could go to the next level. And, and, and I just couldn't. Yeah. And so that was hard to accept, but for, and, and nobody was there telling me that I couldn't. They're like, Hey, just believe in yourself, work hard. Like maybe you could get a scholarship. Maybe you could play uh, college football. And, and then I realized th that I, that wasn't going to be the path for yeah. me. I, I thought I was going to be like the best long haul truck driver in the world. Are you, are you joking right now? No. 
yeah, my dad was a long-haul truck driver, and when you're young, you want to do what your father does. And so when I was five, six, seven years old, I had all these books of long-haul truck drivers, and I used to uh, dress like him. I told you that I used to pour uh, gasoline on my jean jacket because I wanted to smell like diesel fuel. And gasoline doesn't smell exactly like diesel fuel. And my father was a chain smoker, so it could have ended horrendously just in a great ball of fire one day when i was driving in the truck with logic because i would go on a a truck let me pour gasoline on my clothes yeah so so anyway i think the long and the short of it you just try to expose your kids to as much as you can and maybe one year they play baseball and the next year they play soccer and the next year after that uh who knows Uh, maybe they're playing maybe they're they're playing frisbee if your 10 year old thinks a bikini dancer is cute let him take a video for his instagram account It's the Ron and Don Show on a Friday. Don't forget, Ron and Don are licensed brokers with Windermere. You can uh, write Ron, Ron, upshot, windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. We do something called a Ron and Don coffee, a Ron and Don sit down. We just sit down, we have a cup of coffee, and we talk to you about your real estate journey and where you're at and possibly how we can help. Okay, Everything's up at ronanddon.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, coming back on the other side of this, it's Ron and Don on a Friday. Uh, what is this? Yeah. Podcast number 29, they heard your plea, now you got three. Three episodes of the Ron and Don Show each and every week, thanks to our partners at Les Because doing the right thing, you know it matters, you guys. Ron and Don are licensed real estate brokers with Windermere Midtown. Are you ready to buy or sell a home? Yeah, call my dad or his best friend, Ron. You should see them at an open house. They're hilarious. Well, hey, you guys, here we go into the winter driving months here in the great specific Northwest, as my son used to uh, say. You know what I did last fall is I stopped by Les Schwab Tire Center and I said, could you put the new Mazama open range tires on my 4Runner? And I'm telling you, Ron, when they put those tires on, it was a game changer when it came to control, when it came to gas mileage, and when I would put my truck in four-wheel drive, sometimes with the other tires, it would slip. Not with the Mazama open range tires. And don't forget, you have a 60-day ride guarantee. So if you get to the 59th day and you don't like those tires, take them back to Les Schwab and they'll just replace them for you. Yeah, not just a 60-day guarantee. 60,000-mile warranty on these tires. So go to LesSchwab.com. You can find the store nearest you. Head on in there. If you need some traction, you're concerned about winter driving, you're going to go snowboarding, skiing, or going over the passes this winter, this is what you need to do. Yeah, and if you're in a passenger vehicle, which a lot of you are as you're listening to the Ron and Don podcast, you can choose the Mazama reputation tires those are great too that's all season traction they are quiet they are comfortable and you get that seventy thousand mile warranty so what are you waiting for visit lesschwab.com that's lesschwab.com for more information about these amazing tires and i can't endorse them enough les schwab let's say it together doing the right thing you know it matters All right, they heard your plea. Now you got three, three episodes of the Ron and Don Show. Stop by Les Schwab Tire Center, and uh, they are collecting non-perishable food items as you head into the holidays here. Now through Black Friday, just drop off a non-perishable food item. They'll make sure it gets the Food Lifeline. Food Lifeline, an umbrella organization, they'll make sure 
Uh, that food is distributed throughout Western Washington and really throughout the state. All right, LeshRob.com to find that location near you. Mention Ron and Don when you stop in. They'll really come running out if the guys aren't busy. How about that? So. All right, so I've ripped a couple headlines that are uh, real estate related. I love to get your takes on these because uh, you follow it so closely. First one, this is on the front page of the uh, SeattleTimes.com this week. Big picture. And it showed a, um, a crane lifting a prefabricated house, part of the block project, into a backyard on Beacon Hill. And so the headline says, more Seattleites are housing homeless people in their backyard, but it's hard to find the right fit. And so the block project, uh, that we've been hearing about this for a long time, and so initially the, the pitch was, we're going to partner with residents all around the Pacific Northwest, uh, we're going to put this micro house in their backyard and then team up with them uh, to screen a homeless person, get them in there, get them back on their feet, and then it's going to be a net positive for everybody. This ha- There's only been so 130 families expressed interest at the outside of this program. This one that went, and that was several years ago. This has been uh, micro house number nine that got installed, and only four of the nine actually have residents in them. Don, it's 125 square feet. It is uh, clad in, in metal, like metal siding and a, a slanted metal roof. They pick it up, they assemble it in a factory, drive it to your house, pick it up over the house with a crane, set it down on a foundation that you've already built, and then they will screen a homeless person to come, and now that will be their home in your backyard. Yeah, and, I, and if you try to scale that, as you can see, I, I mean, everybody's intention is, is in the, I, I really believe our intention here in Seattle and the surrounding areas, our hearts are in the right place. But sometimes our hearts get in the way, and it's one of the reasons why I have so many people living in tents and living in parks. I just have to say this, when, when you're talking about homeless people getting back up on their feet, some people aren't going to get back up on their feet. That's not going to happen. So I don't know who we're screening, but if it people, people come to homelessness for all different reasons, and I think we, we need to embrace that and understand that. And maybe a mom who has gone through some domestic violence and has kids and they had to flee. That's completely different than somebody else that has come back from Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were deployed 15 to 20 times. And now they've come home and they are angry. Uh, They can't get a job. or They have been driven into homelessness. And now they're experiencing PTSD. And then they start to numb with something like heroin or methamphetamine or whatever that is. That's a completely different type of homelessness. And if what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to fix the homeless issue by placing people in our backyards. That's going to that's going to work for a small percentage of people that want to get up and they just say, "Hey, I'm I I'm going to be able to uh find the bus line and get on a bus and go to work and all these other things." There's going to be a small percentage that isn't going to fix what's happening right now in the Pacific Northwest though when it comes to homeless. Uh, I have a little project that's going on up by the university district and we had an open garage and there were people that were sleeping inside the open garage. And, and I, I thought at some point, they just walked in and started sleeping there. Well, and then they started doing other things and then they just started smearing feces in there. Then they started urinating. Then you, then you've gone, you go in and you clean this garage out eight or nine times. And like, you know what we're going to have to do is we're just going to have to close this garage. And that's what we had to do. Had to close the garage because people were going in there 
and doing stuff that you just don't feel like cleaning up eight or nine times. See, my, so, my thing on this is like if you have a very, factory, very, very. I think it's very hard to scale that. Is it is I hard. I bless the people that uh, are willing to open up their backyard and to do this program. The people that are enthusiastic about block, more power to you. That's awesome. However, if you have a factory that can churn these out, and they really 125 square feet is not a big footprint. What is that? 12 by 10, uh, 12 and a half feet by 10 feet. That is about the size of an average bedroom. So we're not talking about a, a big unit here. I know they're cleverly designed. If the city wants to make a dent in this, take a piece of property that is city owned and it can be under a bridge or it can be somewhere near mass transit and put in 300 of these and then make a hub where you have services come on where they've done this they've done this in lichten springs for instance up in north seattle up not, by, not, up with, by, not with these type of houses up by north Coast. they've done it with a shed the shed these are these are not sheds well you have to think what happened in lichten springs though i in in right in, because it was unsupervised you didn't have that hub center where you have a when full-time you, when you supervise people don't come all right, and and Mayor Murray That's did a fair this. Point. That's a he, fair point. He built these RV but, parking lots, and nobody came so because they were going to be supervised your, and there were going to be rules. If it's in your backyard, and then you're like, oh wait, I signed up for block projects, you can't, moved in, and now there's drug paraphernalia in my backyard. It's been going on for years. They built nine of these. There's only four families that are living in these. You could, this is this is not going to work over time. Okay, so, so second story ripped from the headlines, uh, and this is happening with Apple. Apple's building a a, a branch here in Seattle. Uh, uh, but this is for their one in, in California. Also, Amazon has been under pressure for this. Apple has set aside $2.5 billion to address affordable housing, but not for the people we just described. This is for workers. So what they're and part of it is for uh, um, not the entire amount is for workers, but part of it. And Amazon's been under pressure for this as well. Do these big multi-billion, billion, billion dollar companies that uh, rock through the stock market and are in the Fortune 10 around the world, do they owe it to communities to build housing for their workforce in the cities where they are? So if you're a not an Amazon executive but or an Apple executive, but if you work at the Apple store or you're pulling packages for Amazon, does they owe it to you and your, your friends and your coworkers to have some sort of infrastructure for housing in the city where you're living and working? Should there be an Apple apartment building or an Amazon apartment building in downtown Seattle with subsidized pricing for their employees, well, they're for only their gonna, workforce. They're only going to do that if that makes dollars and cents for them. So if it means that uh, if we're going to have free chocolate milk like Microsoft did in the early days or we're going to have free ping well, pong. Amazon gives away the free bananas at yeah, the banana stand. Whatever, whatever that is, if it makes the worker happy, if the worker's happy and they're working more and they're working for us and not for the other guy, then of course they're going to do that. And call that subsidized housing. I'm calling that a smart business but Haven't you always said that you want to meet the person in your neighborhood that's the firefighter and the teacher and the guy that works at the Amazon warehouse and not just one swath of people that you're only all your neighbors just happen to be high tech white collar collar jobs don't you we want that mix of people yeah i've had that mix i know uh, steve uh, hopefully you listen right now steve martin engine 20 right down the street from me he's my yeah, firefighter i think it's interesting so the 
this experiment with apples 2.5 billion dollars they've set it up as a fund and it's going to it has sort of some different moving pieces but i think the um people are watching this closely and they're going to see how does this work like how what's the impact going to be and as they scale this thing out and deploy all the money uh in cupertino and around those areas uh will other businesses then feel that pressure and uh, will they say that they want sorry my phone's ringing oh. uh that will they be under pressure for like a microsoft or an amazon uh to do the same exact thing i think that's just bezos calling it yeah right exactly he has an opinion about that so i even had it muted i don't know where it was ringing all right hey uh make sure you stop by les schwab tire center 85 locations to serve you and uh they are collecting food for food lifeline right now as we head towards black friday also, don't forget a Ron and Don sit down. He's Ron, I'm Don, and we are licensed realtors at Windermere. In fact, we'd love to be a part of your biggest life's decision. All you have to do is write Ron, Ron Upshaw, windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com. And don't forget, this show now drops three times a week. Thanks to our new partnership with Les Schwab, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Hit the subscribe button. Right? That's right. Absolutely. You can find us at ronandon.com or the podcast player of your choice, whether you're Apple or Android. Uh, we're on pretty much all the major ones. Subscribe and give us a, a star rating and a comment. That really helps the algorithm. Keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll see you right here next week. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you know what? Uh, they heard your plea. Now we have three three episodes of the Ron and Don Show. That's thanks to Les Schwab. Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And don't forget, as we're heading into winter driving season, Ron, you just experienced this on one of your real estate uh, journeys. Yeah, right? I had to drive over to Chelan, or I got to drive to Chelan, and two mountain passes... If it had been snowing and icy, I would have been in trouble. So do what I'm going to do. Stop by Les Schwab when you see him. Say, uh, tell him you're part of the Ron and Don Nation. Have him check it out. Say, is my rig ready for the cold winter months? And they're going to do a, a check for you. Make sure everything is ready. And especially if you know you're going to be going over the pass, if you know you're going to go up and uh, be going snowing or snowboarding this year, go to Les Schwab. Get winter ready at Les Schwab. You can find a location near you at Les schwab.com slash ron and don yeah and uh, while you stop in a les schwab tire center do this too bring some food with you a lot of times during the holidays we're looking to help people but we don't know how they have it figured out at les schwab they know there's 23 million americans that go to bed every night including 11 million children they go to bed hungry and so that's one of the reasons les schwab is teamed up that's right it's drive out hunger and les schwab they have teamed up to help make sure that every child and every adult that lives in Western Washington, that they go to bed on a full stomach. Just go to leschwab.com slash Ron and Don. That's leschwab.com forward slash Ron and Don to see how you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. Les Schwab, let's say it together. Doing the right thing, it matters.